Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. It's episode 52, Monday, May 22nd. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats from our Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Ken Bellinger is senior trader. Welcome. Good morning, Danny. We've got Trevor Narge, senior trader as well. Welcome hey. to you. Hey. hey, good morning, guys. So let's get right into it, right? Let's see what we have coming up this week. So some housing-related data. We have new home sales coming in. We have building permits as well. One thing to note there is that housing has contracted from GDP for about the past eight quarters, and you're starting to see some data underneath the hood turn upwards a little bit. Not to say there couldn't be some more fluctuation to the downside in the short term here, but definitely something to watch. Um, you know, you have some catalysts that could contribute to maybe something like a housing rebound with lumber at pre-COVID prices. It could be pretty interesting to watch here going forward. Further related housing data, we have pending home sales coming in this week. We have first quarter GDP revisions coming in as well. Um, then we got some jobless claims, PCE, consumer sentiment, personal income and spending. So uh, a pretty decent week as far as data is concerned. So Ken, I don't know if you have anything to add there, otherwise we can get into strengths. Yeah, no, let's just move right into strengths here. The big topic that's been on everyone's mind is you know, really the debt ceiling, right? You can't escape it in the news right now. And over the weekend, we it did seem like there was some progress made towards a, a resolution here. The weekend was filled for the most part, with pretty aggressive posturing on both sides. But it ended with McCarthy and Biden saying they had had a productive call on Sunday, and they're scheduled to meet again today. So there's, although we still have some concern about the, the June 1st and June 2nd dates, as the Treasury's got about $97 billion left, some significant expenditures coming forward here. You know, it looks like we're, we're heading towards a resolution, which will be a positive thing for the markets. I think what's interesting about those early June dates is you are seeing that somewhat reflected in the market, right? You're seeing yields on June dated treasuries, those have moved quite a bit. Now I get that those are super short term and short term yields have been quite elevated compared to longer term longer term rates, longer term yields. But those June treasuries have kind of opened up quite a bit. And I think that that's because of that uncertainty around the debt ceiling. Yeah. And the ironic thing too is you know, when we went through this last, and I believe it was 2011, forgive me if that's that, that date's wrong. But you know, the last time we had a major debt ceiling issue like this, we saw a rally towards treasuries. You know, the specific thing that would be defaulted upon, you know, if a deal wasn't reached, the flight to safety is you know a flight towards treasuries in the short term. But you know, again, stick to your long term plan because there's always news out there, right? And this has never gone without a resolution before. We'd expect the same this time. It's important not to constantly be jumping in and out of the pool, if, you know, if that makes any sense. Other strengths here, the U.S. dollar held some key supports actually beginning to rally from here. So um, that also would be a sign of kind of discounting the end of the, the debt ceiling crisis here. In other news, too, we've, we've had international stocks breaking out in Europe, uh, pretty specifically the stock 600 um, hit new 52 weeks highs. It was up 12.7% year to date. So they're doing a bit better than the S&P so far this year. Um, and then the last strength, really the NASDAQ, which has been led by, well, we, you know, I guess we dub it the AI darling since that's the hot topic right now. 74% of the year-to-date performance has come from just six tickers. It's Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Meta, Amazon, and Google, which combined for about 46% of the index weighting. So the real common theme, I think, under the hood there, though, is you know, re- these are really strong cash flow companies. The NASDAQ 600 can have a, or the NASDAQ uh, index can have you know, a lot of companies that aren't necessarily profitable or are weakly profitable. These, these are the strongest of the strong. And that's what's a little different when people compare something like now to the dot-com bubble. I, I get that. You know, I get the concern around hype and hysteria and lofty valuations and things like that. But the companies that are at the top 
aren't it's it's more high quality names that are at the top compared to what you used to see in the dot com bubble when you had names just because they had dot com after their name they were getting ridiculous valuations. So it's not necessarily the same dynamic, but valuations certainly are important. Valuations do matter, and so that's something that we can watch here going forward. But let's pivot into weaknesses on kind of that market breadth and and leadership topic that you were talking about, Ken. You know, like you said, those six names have contributed to much of the gains in the NASDAQ. And very similarly in the S&P, you've had very narrow leadership as well. And so, you know, something I heard just last week is that it's typically not a good thing when the generals are leading and the soldiers aren't following, right? When you have this very narrow market leadership, it tends to be indicative of late cycle dynamics, signaling that there could be some further downside going forward because it's not a broad market participation in an overall rally, so to speak. So definitely something to watch here going forward. The weakness of breath is a weakness of its in and of itself. Another thing that's kind of on our radar here is commercial real estate prices. You know, they edged down last quarter, and that was actually the first time you've seen that type of decline since 2011. Bloomberg and Moody's put out things last week. They, they see more declines coming. And, you know, even though this decline was small, it was less than 1%, and it was led by mainly multifamily homes and office buildings, the magnitude of a potential correction could be sizable, which again, makes sense, right? It could always be bad. But I think one thing to note here too, is that regional banks have a lot of exposure to the commercial real estate market. So further downside in the commercial real estate market could spell a little more trouble for regional banks here going forward. Let's pivot into inflation then as well. So despite the fact that we've had decreasing headline inflation, the ISM prices paid index has increased, which tends to be suggestive of the fact that there are persistent inflationary pressures if the Fed doesn't kind of get things under control now. And so what I mean by that, right, you can overlay a chart of like the inflation rate and also like the ISM prices paid index and you tend to see those kind of move in lockstep with one another. What we're starting to see now is that ISM price index tick up. And so then there's another part that you can kind of take into account with that is by looking at sticky and flexible consumer price indices. So, so sticky inflation versus flexible inflation. And what we've seen is that those flexible data points have really come down. The inflation rate there has, has effectively normalized in a way. But what's been really sticky is the sticky part of inflation. So think of things like shelter, right? That's That's been really tough. And the reason that those data points are called sticky inflation points is because they're just that, right? It's very hard for those to come down. So I think until you see some change there, inflation might be more persistent than anticipated going forward. Yeah, and it's really an area where you know that, that those sticky inflation versus the flexible. A lot of it just has to do with if you want to, you know, call it lag time, right? You know, the home builders really kind of ramped down um, during during the COVID era, and it, that takes a while to kind of filter through the market, and that's kind of why you've seen somewhat sticky home prices um, currently, despite you know the mortgage rates more than doubling at this point. Um, the other thing to consider right now, too, is you know, although supply chains have improved globally, whether it be through the war in Ukraine or you know, kind of the, the, the freezing of relations with China a little bit, you know, supply chains are still disrupted compared to what we consider a normal state. And that just increases supply trade routes. You've got a lot of manufacturers bringing things you know, beyond shoring trend, whether not necessarily to the U.S., but you know, to Mexico, Latin America, where they're seeing a lot of growth out of that just from trying to bring you know supply closer to home if you will 
um, that all comes at a cost, right? And that cost, in the you know, at least in the short to intermediate term, is going to be continued pressure on inflation. Well, that's part of one of those kind of overarching themes that you know we discuss as a committee is this shift from globalization to more nationalization in a sense, right? Can we reorient things closer to home or towards countries that are a little more friendly with us that, you know, kind of work better from an overall supply chain standpoint where, you know, we don't have to send things halfway across the world and then bring it all the way back. So definitely something to note here going forward. Let's pivot into opportunities. Ken, what do you got? Strong balance sheets and companies that have really structured their capital appropriately through COVID should really continue to benefit here, right? You know, the cost of new capital currently, especially in the debt market, is considerably more expensive. There are several companies that went out there aggressively issuing when we went back to really zero interest rates back in, uh, you know, 2020 and early 2021. And those companies could be rewarded. There's uh, several companies about really long-term paper, right? Where, you know, where they stretch their debt out 20, 30 years at incredibly low rates. Well, those companies could be rewarded because they're not going to have to go hit the market for significant amounts of debt anytime soon. And they're paying a much lower rate than they get at the market today. So that's the big strength we're seeing. And, and Trevor, you've got some interesting thoughts that you put together this weekend on potential regime shift here. Yeah. And when I say a regime shift, it's more all in, so the opportunity for a potential regime shift here going forward. And, and what do I mean by that? When I, when I talk about that, I'm thinking about very overarching factors. So value versus growth, large cap versus small caps, U.S. versus international, things like that. And over this past cycle, it's very much been dominated by large cap companies, by growth oriented companies. And obviously the U.S. has really outperformed international. And so what are we seeing now going forward? You kind of look at this overall secular rotation kind of dashboard, uh, Jury and Timmer from Fidelity, got to give him credit. He does a great job at watching this. And what has worked over the last cycle will not necessarily always work in the next cycle going forward. And so when you're looking at relative valuations and price action and the relationships between asset classes, what could be more of an opportunity set going forward are going to be smaller cap companies, more value-oriented companies, and perhaps international compared to the U.S. And why is that, right? Small caps have been beaten down relative to large caps for for quite some time, the valuation spreads there are quite wide. On the value versus growth debate, you've had growth outperforming value to quite a heavy degree over the past cycle. And when you look at valuation spreads, relative valuations of value companies versus growth companies, it makes a pretty interesting case for value in and of itself. And then you pivot to kind of that US versus international debate, and it's somewhat is a similar story. The relative valuations and dividend yields of international companies, those valuations are quite stretched when you look at U.S. versus international. So it makes a case for international being a little cheaper. And then conversely, their dividend yields are a little more elevated as well. And so typically with dividend yield, as price goes down, dividend yield goes up. Um, so something to note there. But kind of those underlying dynamics make an interesting case for this regime shift going forward. And I, as human beings, we tend to think that what has worked will continue to work going forward. But I think in this type of profession, in this type of business, it's important to be dynamic and be willing to kind of shift your perspective. And it doesn't mean that those other things couldn't work here going forward, but from an opportunity standpoint, I think those certain areas are pretty interesting right now. Two last opportunities I'll throw in here. You know, over the weekend, we got news from uh, Joe Biden um, about a potential thawing in the, in the U.S.-China relationship 
with uh, Biden suggesting that could occur very shortly. And specifically, I believe they're, they're targeting kind of a couple of symbolic sanctions against some Chinese government officials, but in removing those, that's a sign that perhaps that relationship is starting to trend back towards a, a more positive direction. Um, and just the last one, interesting to note, you know, we've, we've obviously heard a lot about the, you know, a couple of mergers in the financial sector, but they're starting to happen in the energy sector too. Um, not necessarily under distress, um, like you've seen in, in the financial sector, but worth noting, we've seen two pretty major acquisitions in the energy space with uh, just over this, just this weekend, Chevron acquiring PDC Energy in an all-stock deal. Last weekend, we saw 1OK acquiring Magellan Midstream Partners, which is a yeah, pretty major uh, midstream pipeline here in, in the U.S. But as we've seen the, the price of energy come down, what we're you know really starting to see in, in that world is you know acquisitions really ramping up here to kind of drive efficiencies and really a vote of confidence in the long-term health of the sector. You know, the balance sheets in that sector are a whole lot different than what we've seen in the past. So the ability to kind of ride ride through this, you know, bit of a downturn in energy prices, if you will, certainly shows there. And that's one last thing I'll add too, is that not just in the energy space too, I think it speaks to what you were saying going forward, that companies with stronger balance sheets that are capitalized quite well, it will provide them some opportunity here in the next, you know, couple of years, I think, to make some really good acquisitions to buy good businesses at, at good prices and really help kind of expand their footprint. Um, so let's pivot into threats here, Ken. What do we got? The debt ceiling getting resolved, you know, although that would be a positive overall. You know, in the short term, that would lead to about a trillion dollars in treasuries being issued over the next couple months, um, which, according to Bank of America, is about the equivalent of a 25 basis rate hike just because of the, the flood of supply into what could potentially be lessened in demand at that point because people will feel more confident about the, the markets and things going forward. So you'd expect to see a little bit of a pivot away from safety if and when the deal is reached. We expect it to be reached this week, but don't have my crystal ball in front of me, so right, I'm not right. going to pretend to say that that's anything but certain. That's one area to watch. And the other thing right now is the market's pricing in more Fed cuts to the Fed funds rate than what the Fed has been talking about. And so far, the Fed's been incredibly consistent with their messaging and actually following through on what they're saying, even though the market has tried to disagree with them kind of several times on this path upwards. They're not giving really any hints of immediate cuts here, um, but the market's pricing in a full two cuts by the time we get to December. If that doesn't happen, um, you'd expect to see a little bit of volatility based off of that as you know, expectations are kind of repriced going forward. Well, and also what could impact prices too is that drain on liquidity. I mean, you look at like modern markets and how liquidity tends to impact that. And, you know, if you have that debt ceiling is being raised and you have another, say, trillion dollars worth of treasuries being issued, that is a massive pull on liquidity. Typically, when you have liquidity being pulled from a market that is quite dependent on that, tends to potentially lead to some downside here going forward. Ken, what's our headline strength? Debt ceiling resolution, potentially, and international stocks. Headline weakness? Weaker breadth and potentially sticky inflation. Headline opportunity? Strong balance sheet companies. Headline threat? Debt ceiling not getting resolved. Ken Bellinger, senior trader. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. And Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Thank you. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from 
qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.